This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. Love doing this show with you every week because we get into your mind. We talk about how that affects what you do as an athlete, as a coach, as a parent, as a fan. You know, I've been on the radio here in Kansas City for 28 years, the last 18 at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I've had a lot of people work with me, and I want to thank my producer, Chris Bullock, who is going to be retiring from the broadcasting arena this coming week. He has been awesome with this show, and he just informed me today that this is his last show with us. So, Chris, thank you so much. You've been great to work with. I really appreciate it. I want to thank you for everything you've done. Thank you, Dr. J. I appreciate uh, everything. Every, this, this has been a great show, and uh, really have been uh, fortunate to uh, have worked with you. And uh, I'm, I'm, even though it is early, I'm going to miss it. And uh, thank you for the kind words. Well, you're welcome, and I mean it. Um, I've had a, in my 28 years, I've probably had I'm guessing close to 40 to 50 guys do this show <laughs> because it 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 does change a lot, and uh, especially on the weekends. But you've done a great job. You're one of the top people that's done this, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, today. I want to talk about something that ticked me off this week. Last week, Andrew Luck, the quarterback for the Colts, retired. You know, I've talked about a lot of things on this show. And we talk about mental health. We talk about the psychological aspect of things. Last week, I had Emily Towner on as a therapist. We talked about just the whole issue of mental health in our society. And Andrew Luck retired, announced at halftime or or during the, the... Colts Bears preseason game and he got booed he got booed as he walked off the field I saw that and it 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 was disgusting and I'm going to tell you why because athletes are people and I don't care if they're making millions of dollars or they're not making that much money they are human beings this man has played in the NFL for seven years he has been a Pro Bowl quarterback The guy stayed at Stanford to graduate instead of coming out early. He's smart. He's got it together. And he decided his body couldn't take it anymore. Now, some people say, well, he shouldn't have retired now. He should have done it earlier. You know what? It's not for anybody to tell anybody when they should retire. It's up to him. So he got booed. Booed. Walking off the field. It, it, when I saw that, it made me sick to my stomach. You know what? I don't know Andrew Luck. Never met him. And as a fan of the Chiefs, I'm actually sort of glad he's retiring because that'll help the Chiefs out in terms of playing the Colts. But you know what? That's irrelevant. It's disgusting that football fans are going to boo a guy who's retiring because he says his body can't take it anymore. You know, this past week, Rob Gronkowski came out and talked about how physically he could play football again. You know, the the tight end who retired from the Patriots, but mentally said he couldn't do it anymore. I read an article, and it's very interesting. It said, NFL players are meat. They are meat to owners, they're meat to coaches, and they're meat to fans. When a quarterback plays well, everyone loves him. He's the darling of the city. Free drinks, autograph requests aplenty, Instagram praise, and Twitter glory. Five-figure appearance fees and the finest cut of prime rib at the finest table in the finest restaurant. You are a king and a god, and you're making millions of dollars to live. Live the life. Then, 
because your body's in constant pain and you want your remaining time on earth to be prosperous and you realize throwing a prolate sphere through the air only carries so much bliss you decide you're done and they scorn you. I don't think it could have been said any better than that. I think a fan that boos a football player who says, you know what, I got to take care of myself. I can't play anymore. You're not a fan. You're somebody who's got psychological issues. Yeah, athletes who play professional sports are a unique breed of people. Not many people have been doing this as long as me. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I don't like to talk about myself in the show, but I've been doing this a long time. I've worked with a lot of people. And you know what? I've worked with a lot of people who have suffered career-ending injuries. Professional and Olympic athletes who had to quit. And they've, they've come in and talked to me. I've worked with NFL players who've had concussions. Mitch Morse, the former Chiefs player, is now with the Bills, who just had his fourth concussion, was on the show earlier this year. Talked about what he did with me. These, these people, they're people. They're human beings. They have feelings. They have lives. They have families. And they want to live their life. Andrew Luck made a smart decision. He decided, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. It's time to stop. And so he quit. God love the man for being brave enough to say it and saying basically to everybody else, screw you if you don't like it. You're not living my life. Because that's basically what he said. And he was hurt. He was quoted afterwards saying, it really hurt to have those people boo me. Here in Kansas City, we've got a quarterback named Patrick Mahomes, who's pretty darn good. Well, if, God forbid, something happens to him, he gets injured, and then he doesn't play, and he says, I decide to retire. People going to do the same thing to him? Athletes are human beings. They have feelings. They have families. They want to live their life. Football players, and I don't care what position you play, you get injured. This past week, I had lunch with a former NFL kicker and an NFL punter who happened to play in a Super Bowl champion, the Washington Redskins, Kelly Goodburn. He's been on the show before. And we talked about this. Both these guys, they're kickers. They're not linemen. They're not linebackers. They're kickers. But you know what they told me? They both, we talked about this. And they both said, you know what, Doc? He's a smart man because he's taking care of himself and his life and his family. He's doing what he needs to do. And anyone that's going to boo him, they've got problems. All right, I'm going to open up our phone lines. I want to get your thoughts. If you are a sports fan, I don't care if you're high school, college, professional, whatever, and your favorite athlete retires before you think they should, or not at the not when they're 38 or 40, but maybe... 29 or 30 because they just don't want to do it anymore. They can't do it anymore. How does that make you feel? As a fan, when you have your favorite athlete leaving your game, what do you think? In the second half of our show, Tim Grunhardt's going to call in. Great chief center, played for 10 years. We're going to talk about this. Tim knows about it. He retired. He decided it was time. As a sports fan, how do you handle this? As an athlete, how do you handle it? As a, as a coach, how do you handle it? I want to hear from you. Get your thoughts. If you've played sports and you decided it was time to hang it up and quit, whatever the sport, what made you do it and how'd you do it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization 
dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priorities to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years. And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When Dad injured his back. When your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain. And you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. And we're talking about Andrew Luck retiring today. And I want to get your thoughts on that. If you're a sports fan, how do you feel about your favorite athlete retiring before you think they should? Andrew Luck decided it was time to get out of football as a player. Listen, this is a young man who graduated from Stanford University. He's a very bright guy. His dad was an NFL quarterback. Oliver Luck played for a long time. He obviously understands the sport. He decided to retire, and it was announced during the Colts-Bears preseason game, and he was booed as he walked off the field. This is a Pro Bowl quarterback. He was booed. What do you think about that? I, 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 just, I just think it's ridiculous that fans are going to boo a player for retiring to take care of his body, take care of his life. You know, we look at athletes as superhuman. And 
in many ways they are superhuman compared to the average person, especially if you play professional sport. You're an Olympic athlete. I've been fortunate enough to work with Olympians, professional athletes. I was the team psychologist for the United States Cycling Federation from 1982 to 1988. I was with the team in 1984. And we won nine medals in the Olympics, the first medals we won in 72 years. I saw how these guys trained. I saw how they competed, men and women. And the women were just as tough as the men, let me tell you. We had 1984, the first event in the Olympics was the women's cycling road race, and Connie Carpenter, who went on to marry Davis Finney, Connie Carpenter Finney, and Rebecca Twig came in first and second. And I watched how these people trained, what they put their bodies through. I've spent hours and hours working with athletes and watching them train and work out. Watch what they eat. Understand their sleep patterns. Understand their mindsets. You know, talked about it many times on this show. The mental aspect is the last thing people get into. It's overlooked a lot. Because you can't measure it. You can't quantify it. And it's something a lot of people take for granted. But the mental aspect in the end, how you feel, what you believe, what's going on in your mind, in the end is what it's all about. So I'd like to hear from you. If you're a sports fan, how do you feel about it when your favorite player retires? And how do you feel about Andrew Luck retiring? If you were a Colts fan, would you boo him if he walked off the field like that? Do you think that was the right thing to do? I don't. Why are they booing? Well, they're wanting to win the Super Bowl. They want to go to the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, and obviously he's a great quarterback. They feel he's going to lead them to do that, and now he's not doing it. Well, if he can't play because he's not healthy and he's not well, would you want him playing? No. I've seen the rigors that these people go through on a daily basis. You know, all the years I worked with the Kansas City Royals, being there full-time with them. Baseball players, oh, they're baseball players, oh, whatever. Well, you know what? The really good ones get to the stadium not a couple hours before. They get there six or seven hours before. And they work out. And they train. And they lift. And they run. And they do extra BP, extra fielding, extra extra everything. Because they want to be good. And then when they decide to leave, they decide to leave. Is that wrong? No. They have a right to live their life. Andrew Luck has a right to enjoy the rest of his life and be healthy. So was it wrong for Colts fans to boo him when he walked off the field? In my opinion, yes, it was. And I think for anybody to treat an athlete that way, that disrespectfully to me, is is ridiculous. I, I mentioned this article earlier. And, you know, it's interesting says here, more often, you ultimately wind up a ghost, left alone to be told by the NFL healthcare providers that your chronic headaches can be solved with two Advils, that being unable to remember your daughter's birthday, <coughs> excuse me, is merely a byproduct of aging, your knees are shattered, your resume is thin, you left school a semester early to prepare for the draft and never went back to attain a degree, your jersey, once $150 inside the team store, now goes for $2.67 on eBay, and it's been at that price for months. You're forgotten, and as you limp through your old stadium's hallways for a reunion of the so-and-so division championship squad, you realize that nobody recognizes you, and if they did recognize you, they'd likely boo. Because once upon a time, you dashed their hopes by dropping a pass or throwing an interception, or, heaven forbid, retired early to care for yourself. Andrew Luck is indeed lucky. Well, I think... If you play a sport, 
You don't have to be a professional athlete. Your body has to tell you when it's time to stop. You have to take care of yourself. You, you need to live your life in a healthy way. You know, the, the concussion issues in the NFL are serious. And the CTE issue, which is, is just now really being explored and understood, is going to come out with more and more information as time goes on. And you know what? It's not just in football, the concussion issue. I've worked with high school volleyball players and swimmers who've had concussions. I've worked with pro soccer players, pro football players, baseball players, cyclists. Concussions are serious things, and you need to take care of yourself. Injuries are serious things. And if you don't think you can compete anymore at the level you want, it is truly time to stop, to hang it up. Next half of our show, Tim Grunhardt is going to join us. He played 10 years for the Chiefs back in the 90s up until 2000. Played, I think, the fourth most games in the history of the Chiefs as a center. And he decided it was time to retire. And he did it. I don't think he got booed. He made the decision was best for him. He's got kids. I've met Tim through... His, actually, I've met Tim because his kids swim, as did my oldest son, and I met him through that. And he's gone on the coach. He's now here at Sports Radio 810. He hosts shows here. He commentates a lot. And I'm going to get his opinion as an ex-NFL player, as someone who's been through the rigors of all this, what it takes to finally decide to retire. Why do you do it? What brings you on to do it? And how do you handle that? And as always, our phone lines are open here. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a sports fan, how do you feel about it when your favorite athlete retires? And do you feel they retire too early? Does that bother you? You take offense to that, like the Colts fans who booed Andrew Luck. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax? build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. 
Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mindset of athletes, psychology, emotions, feelings, mental health. And as I mentioned, Tuesday will be the beginning of my 39th year of work as a sports psychologist. I've had the privilege to work with people all over the country for a long time at all levels. And throughout my work, I've gotten to meet a lot of really neat people in my work and outside of it. And I've had the privilege to meet a lot of professional athletes who have gone on to leave their sport, move on in their life, and become successful. And one of those people is on the line with us today. His name's Tim Grunhard. Tim, thanks for calling in and being with us today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Good morning, everybody. Listen, uh, I mentioned earlier, I never worked with you, didn't meet you while you played. I met you because your your kids and my son have swam, and that's sort of how I met you years ago. And we've talked on and off different times. You played for the Chiefs for a long time. You were very popular here in town. You still live here. You've raised kids who've become very successful in their sports. Um, tell us how you feel about this whole deal with Andrew Luck. You know, I, I, I think it's I think it's ridiculous that people would boo him for retiring. Well, yeah, you know, first of all, fans, you know, fan is short for fanatic. So, you know, they're either going to be all for you or all against you, but you know, it's funny, it, the fans, and, you know, we could talk a little bit about the mindset of the player, but talk, I think that's a great way to start talking about the mindset of the fan. You know, for the fan, they think that athletes are forever young. Uh, you know, there's the old song, I think it was Rod Stewart, forever young. So they, you know, they see the athlete as a uh, somebody who is young, somebody who is vibrant, somebody who will never age, but um, it happens. You age, you 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 get to the point where you just can't do it anymore. And listen, every football player or baseball player or basketball player gets to a point in his career that they know, maybe nobody else knows, but they know that if they continue to play, then there's going to be irreversible consequences for playing. Now, most of us continue to play because, A, we love it, B, it's our livelihood, and C, a lot of guys have nothing else. So, for me, it was probably around year six or seven that I knew that if I continued to play, that I was going to pay the price when I retired and got older and wanted to do things that, that everybody else does, but you have pain doing it. So, But I decided that it was worth it for me to do that. Now, Andrew Luck, who's making generational money, 
decided at that point that he knew that if he continued to play and continued to do the things that he did, that, that he would be irreversible consequences for his actions. And he decided not to. So every athlete and every sport comes to that conclusion at one time or another, whether they're going to say, A, I'm going on and I'm going to continue to play, or B, that's it. You know, I played, I'm going to do something else. So you got to give, and, and let's, let's talk about the fan reaction then. So the fan reaction to me is like a death. The first thing they think is, oh, my gosh, this didn't really happen. Holy smokes, he retired? And then it goes to the second thing. Well, he must be holding out, or he he must be trying to get more money, or there must be some alternative motives. That's kind of the second phase. And then as it goes on, the third phase is, well, give him some time. He'll be back. I mean, I don't know how many times you've heard with Gronk and with, with Andrew. Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. So it's kind of the next stage right now with Andrew Luck. And then it goes to the fourth stage where, man, he's really not coming back, is he? he he's, he's not going to play anymore. And then it gets to the last point where it says, ah, oh, good for him. You know, he retired, good for him. And, you know, I think the fans go through that just like a death or just like when somebody retires, they go through those stages. And, uh, you know, right now I think that we're probably at that stage where it's either, well, maybe he's really not coming back. And I think Gronk is there at the stage where Gronk is, maybe he'll come back. So it's just an interesting thing, I think, for the fan mindset in the psyche of a fan. It shows weakness um, in, in, the, in, a, in a fan because it shows immortality. And people don't like to face immortality, and they see that in their own self when they watch one of their athletes that they admire step down and they can't play anymore, then they, they feel vulnerable. Well, especially with, with those two individuals that you just mentioned. I mean, Andrew Luck we've been talking about, and I mentioned Gronkowski as well, because he mentioned this week that physically he could play, but mentally he can't. And, and I think that's where sometimes we take the psychological aspect, you know, we, we take it for granted, and... They made decisions that they both felt were best for themselves, okay? And now, let's go back to when you retired. You played for 10 years, right? 11. 11, years. 11 seasons, okay, 90 to 2000, all right. Yeah, 11 seasons. All right. When you finally decided to do it, would you mind sharing how you decided that? Who'd you, who'd you discuss it with, and, and what made you finally decide it's time? Well, um, I think going into my last year, I uh, had another knee surgery, and it was pretty extensive, a little bit more than I think they thought they were going to have to do. And How many surgeries did you have? Uh, I had seven on the one knee. So it all started in basically my first year of college. I had another one in college, and then I had five throughout the 11 years. of just basically cleaning things up. I mean, nothing real, real serious, but like, you know, I used to consider going to the dentist. You know, you get in there, they clean it out, and, you, and then you get back out there and you play. Well, the last time... Let, 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 me, let me stop you for a second. See, <laughs> see, see, you consider that like going to the dentist, okay, getting it cleaned out. Most people would sit there or listen to that who are listening around. They're going to cringe at that. Uh, getting your knee well, cleaned out. I mean, I've had two knee surgeries. I, 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 I can relate, not like that, but, but <laughs> I, I had an arthrotomy in my right knee before scoping was done. So I was out for six months. So I, I understand the rehab stuff. But it's not like going to the dentist, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's the way. Well, you know what? In your mind, you know, like, like Lou Holtz used to say to us all the time, and I'll use my best Lou Holtz invitation here. It's not very good, but your mind controls your body. What your body, your mind tells your body to do, it'll do. And that's what it was. So, you know, when my mind was controlling my body, and it said that this is no big deal, uh, that you've done it before, you go to the rehab. And, you know, kind of like what Andrew Luck uh, said is, you know what, it, it gets mentally tiring to rehab every year. And, and for me, it was every other year I was going through a, a, a rehab process. Well, you know, I had to go in in January and February and March and, and do all the the exercises and all the kind of things. And then, you know, in April and May, I came around, I was ready to go to that. And I didn't seem to be able to do that all the time. But the last time uh, it, I had the surgery going into my 11th year, um, it just didn't come back very well. It just didn't. And and I remember, and I'm not, and not, not trying to put down anybody, but I remember Gunther saying to me, hey, you know, what are you doing? You, you, are you, you wussing out? And I'm like, you know, I was like, seriously, Gunther? I mean, you know. And the, you're talking about Gunther Cunningham was the head head coach at that <laughs> yeah. time, right? Yeah, so he wasn't all happy with me. And I was like, you know, this is really kind of strange. And at that point, I was like, you know, um, how the, what he said? Okay, let, let, let me let me ask you. So no, because you know this is what I do. Okay, so yeah. so the coach asks you if you're wussing out because you've had your seventh knee surgery. 
Yeah, you know, it was an internal memo that, hey, you know, maybe he's, you know, he, he just wants to sit out and doesn't want to go through the summer stuff and, you know, and all that. And I, and I talked to him, and we were all good at the end of it, but... Well, okay, kind of, okay, but how, 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 did, how did you address that with him? Because, I mean, he's the head coach. You've yeah. played for, this is your 11th year, okay? You're a stalwart on the offensive line. You've, you, you retired with, with the fourth most games ever in the history of the Chiefs, and that's saying a lot right there. Okay, this team's. I've been around, I've been going to Chiefs games since the first game they ever played, so I saw you play a lot. So, the head coach is asking, questioning your toughness after right. your seventh knee surgery. So, how did that make you feel? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it was very upsetting for me because I, I knew that. Listen, I, well, like I said, you got to year six or seven. You said, okay, listen, this is going to be irreversible. I'm going to do it because a, I love the game, I love my teammates, and I want to play football. So, uh, when I, when it, yeah, I, I addressed this and listen. I said, um, you know, Gunther, I, I don't appreciate, you know, the the uh, kind of the thought that I'm not doing this. I'm doing this because I'm lazy or I don't want to do it. I just, I just, it doesn't feel right. Well, I'll make a long story short, um, you know, he's like, listen, uh, we need you on the field because you know you're the leader and you're you're the you're the communicator and all that kind of stuff. Blah blah. blah. So, you know, he's like, yeah, I, you know, I do. I understand where you're coming from. You gotta understand where I'm coming from. So, I need you out there. So. It, 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 the knee was was not right, but but so the psychological part of that was that throughout the whole year, I knew in my heart that I just couldn't do a lot of the things that my mind was telling my body to do. You know, I, mean, I wanted to you know get a really good step left to cut somebody off on a block back when the guard was pulling, and I just couldn't push off to get there. So I would do other things or you know try to compensate, and I knew this this isn't quite working right, and and nobody really could tell. But me, and once again, that's another. I'm going to go back to Lou Holtz, who to me was one of the best psychologist coaches of all time. Well, you played on a national championship team at Notre Dame. We got about a minute here for our break. Here, go ahead. Yeah. So, so here, here's what he used to say. He said, uh, "If you don't practice one day, you know it. If you don't practice two days, the coaches know it. If you don't practice three days, you go into a game. Everybody knows it. And the key for me was to get out while I knew it, not when the coaches knew it, and not when everybody knew it." So my goal was to get out of the game when I knew I couldn't do it anymore, mentally couldn't do it anymore. Physically, I could probably pull it off. Mentally, couldn't do it anymore. So my goal was to get out then, and I did. So that's why when people say, why are you retiring? Why are you retiring? Well, if I would have played one more year, everybody would have said, he needs to retire. And I wanted to get out before that. Well, you made, obviously, the right decision for you, and in the end, the right decision for everybody. Listen, I'm talking with Tim Grunhardt. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Tim, if you don't mind staying on for our last segment here, this is, this is sure. really good. We're talking about athletes who retire, why they do, and Andrew Luck getting booed off the field because he decided to retire. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. 
The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Our show is broadcasted now. We're on in 12 cities around the country, and our list is growing. I'm excited about that. And joining me this morning is Tim Grunhard, former Chiefs grade who played 11 seasons in the NFL. We're talking about Andrew Luck, Rob Ronkowski's retirement. And, and Tim, let me ask you a question. So you decided seven knee surgeries, sort of like going to the dentist, as you said. I, I, I'm going to quote you on that in the future. Um, what did your teammates say when you told them you were hanging it up? Yeah, yeah you know what? The teammates... 99% of them are um, happy that you made the decision, that they're glad for your, um, you, you know, that you're settled and you understand what you want to do. And, and, and uh, you know, they're happy for you. You know, they're, they're sad you're going to go, but they're happy for you and they're glad you made the decision and they want you to have the best possible life you can have. So, um, and you see that with Andrew Locke right now. You see that with Gronkowski. All of the teammates are, you know, at, Almost to a man, they're all saying, "Hey, you know, he's a great guy. He, had, he made the decision, and, and uh, good for him." And you know, we support him. And not just you know, te- most, not just teammates, but competitors and, and athletes in other sports as well. Absolutely, you know, there's kind of a fraternity. Um, just because you play on one team doesn't mean that you're not part of that fraternity for all all the teams. And it really it also uh, spreads into other sports too. People understand the sacrifice. People understand uh, the the, uh, the pain and the issues that you go through as you play. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, so that fraternity will support. And then you know you run into people that um, obviously you have different um, uh, uh, people out there, prognosticators and 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 media types that are going to say some things for a reaction. I mean that that's what mostly that's about. Most of those guys understand that. Hey, listen, you know he he made the decision. He's happy with it. Uh, but you're always going to have the guys that are trying to get reaction. They're trying to you know feed off of the feed off of the story. And I'm listen. I'm not going to say that, that that's bad or good it's just the way it is so um so yeah there's you're going to have that also but most of the time when you retire you know people are going to support you now the only thing that i could say that was a little bit negative about what andrew luck did is he kind of put his team in a tough position retiring after the third preseason game or right before the third preseason game which you know really kind of puts his teammates and his and, and the organization in a little bit of flux but um, you know, hey, listen, that, that was when he decided. That's when, you know, and, 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 and to be really honest with you, it, it, it's going to come out. I, he went there, and, and this is just my guess, and, and, and I think I'm going to be right when I said that. He went to the team before the season and said, I want to retire. I think that the owners and the coaches and the rest of the front office of this, I understand, hey, just give it a chance, come on back, you know, go through a couple weeks, and, you know, we'll see what happens from there thinking that once he got those competitive juices rolling again, that he would buy in and say, oh, yeah, I'm ready to play. Because most of us will do that. You know, eh, I don't know. And then all of a sudden you get in there and you're like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to be with my guys. This is great. I don't, I don't want to lose this. And, and so I think that they pretty much talked him into coming back. And, uh, and then when he retired, 
um, I think they kind of knew it was coming. Because if you look at it, they already had a settlement just about done. Right. And how did they get that settlement done in one day? So yeah, yeah and know, I'm yeah, and and let's face it, you you and I both know people communicate within the organization. It's not like that. It's not like they probably were blown aside by that. I think you're right. I think they probably knew that, and I think you're right. They probably encouraged him to try to come back and see if he could do it, and. Yeah. You know, but the fact the fact is, for people to but for people to you know, boo him, because you know he's doing something that's best for him. See that that that's, and you said it right at the top of our interview. Fan is short for fanatic. I've said that forever. You know, back years ago, I was the royal psychologist when Bo Jackson was here, and I got to know Bo quite well. And I remember sitting down and talking to him one day, and he said, "You know what, Doc? Everybody criticizes me because I play baseball and football, but I should just play one or the other." And, you know, I, I'd be really good if I just played one or the other because I'm not too bad playing both of them. Yeah, he wasn't short on confidence, obviously. But at this, but you know what? He ended up getting his hip replaced and came back and played three years with the White Sox and Angels with a fake hip, and he was still faster than about half the people in, in baseball. So, you know, yeah. I, you know and then, yeah. he, then he decided, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. And he got, he got criticized all the time because he was Bo Jackson. I mean, you know, the guy was a great athlete. He could, he could do, I mean, I'm telling you, I saw him do stuff that was amazing. But he got criticized all the time, and he said, look, you know what? The people that matter to me are my family, my teammates, the people that care about me. Everybody else, I don't care about them because they don't know me. And I'm sure you they have, don't know Bo. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and look, you're a very popular person in Kansas City. You've been around. You've coached high school. You went up to KU and coached for a while. You're on the radio here. You've, you've established a presence in town. But you've got dozens and dozens of teammates, and I want to read this article uh, this excerpt from this article uh, that this guy wrote. He says, more often than not, however, you ultimately wind up as a ghost, left alone to be told by the NFL's healthcare providers that your chronic headaches can be solved with two Advils, that being unable to remember your daughter's birthday is merely a byproduct of aging, your knees are shattered, your resume is thin, you left school semester early to prepare for the draft and never went back to attain a degree, your jersey wants 150 bucks inside the team store now sells for 267 on eBay, that's $2.67, and it's been that price for months. You're forgotten as you limp through your old stadium's hallways for a reunion of the so-and-so division championship squad. You realize that nobody recognizes you, and if they did recognize you, they'd likely boo. What do you, you know, that, that's obviously yeah. not you, but you've got guys like that, though. Yeah, you do. And, you know, for a little shameless plug, one of the organizations that I'm involved with, I'm actually the president right now, the Kansas City Chiefs Ambassadors, and what we try to do is that that is exactly what we try to help our guys like that and keep them a part of the organization and keep them motivated and keep them around and keep them hopefully relevant in the, in the eyes of, of the organization. But you're right. And in, in, in there's a lot, a lot of that going on. And I don't care if you're popular in town or you're popular around the country or nobody knows who you are. There are certainly times uh, in, in your life that you feel like you have, you're just a ghost and you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, well, first of all, um, football and sports and, 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 and everything that around it is an adrenaline rush. It is a drug. All right. So when you run out in front of 80,000 people at Arrowhead Stadium, that is a rush. It is a drug. It is an adrenaline rush that, that you cannot match with any drug. I was going to say there's of, probably no other way to match that type of experience when you run out on that field with that, that type of situation. And there's, there's not. And, you know, in the other way, you run out and everybody boosts you. It's a rush, too. So, um, so, you know, a lot of guys find themselves in a position where they're trying to chase that again. They can't find it. And that's why a lot of guys have these issues with drug problems. A lot of guys have these issues with, with drinking problems. A lot of guys have these issues with depression because they can't find it. They're looking for it and they can't find it. And I was lucky that I was able to, to kind of go into the coaching realm and, and find, and, and find a, a little bit of that to kind of get a taste of that adrenaline rush, you know, coaching on Friday nights and coaching on Saturdays and, uh, you know, being a head coach and all that kind of good stuff. So I was able to find that. So I was blessed and I was lucky. And then now, for me, talking on the radio, talking to you, talking to people in Kansas City and talking about the sport, it keeps me going. It keeps my juices flowing. That keeps. And so I've been very blessed. But there's a lot of guys out there that can't find that and they're looking for that. And it's, it's, dep- it's very uh, depressing to them that, that they uh, have put themselves in a position where they feel like they're worthless. Go from being the... Toast of the town, right? But the old, the old, the old adage from the penthouse to the outhouse in their mind. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's a big that's a big issue. Listen, we got it. We got a minute left here. All right, listen. 
this has been great talking to you. I think you've you've shed some tremendous light on this, and hopefully a lot of people understand the situation. Now, Tim Grunhardt, thanks for joining me today, and we'll talk again soon. Appreciate My it. My pleasure. Let's do it. Okay. okay. Take care. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, here every week. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Our shows are podcast here at Sports Radio 810 WHB on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJ Sports Site. Give me a call at my office, 816-561-5556. Have a great week. Talk to you in two weeks. You're the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.